Happy New Year. It is the first episode of 2024. I'm Allison Hare. I'm a former corporate executive on a quest to live with a lot less chains and a lot more aliveness. Welcome to the Late Learner Podcast, where we break down old, tired paradigms. You know, the ones that we all kind of live in, and we discover way more modern approaches that just plain work better for you. So what are we late learning today? Well, speaking of culture, have you ever considered that hustle culture and the lifestyle of always doing, doing, doing could be a direct result of Generation X? which is funny because it was like the slacker generation. Well, I read an article on Fortune magazine and the headline read, are Gen X women getting the worst of both worlds? Whoa. And when I read this, my jaw dropped and I reached out to the author. Her name is Dr. Whitney Caceres. You probably know her She's and probably follow her on Instagram as Modern Mommy Doc. And I asked her, can you help us unpack this? And my goodness, she over delivered. She dropped so many bombs of great advice, especially practical advice and insight around that whole generation. Why we are so tired. Why we feel like we cannot stop. Why so much of our value is wrapped around going, 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 and all of this overproducing, right? And how to stop over-functioning and become the mom in person you're meant to be. So I'm really excited to share this with you. But first, let's get to the good stuff. What is stuff? It's the surprisingly true, useful, fun fact. And based on a study commissioned by Almond Breeze out of New York, 55% of Americans are ditching resolutions. This kind of feels like a no shit. (laughs) I know a lot of these end up as no shit. But I wondered, is it because we are less motivated or because we need to have lowered expectations? Which made me think, speaking of the 90s and Generation X, of that mad TV segment. Now, do you remember Mad TV? It was like the SNL stepsister that was like sketch comedy series from the 90s. Anyway, they used to have this segment called Lowered Expectations, and it was so hilarious. Anyway, the data is showing that we are focusing more on smaller goals than the big lofty ones that end up just making us hate ourselves when we abandon or forget about them. Now, if you want small, attainable wins in January and a way to really set off the year right, I invite you to join our new New Year Challenge, where we give you 31 ideas already thought out for you to do something new every single day. And you open possibilities by trying something new every day. It's free and you can go to allisonhair.com forward slash new new and the link is in the show notes. Dr. Winika Saris is a Stanford trained pediatrician. She is well known as the popular Instagram account, Modern Mommy Doc and wellness expert for moms and kids. She's about to release her book, Doing It All, Stop Overfunctioning and Become the Mom in Person You're Meant to Be. Also, side note, I was trying some new microphones on my audio 
and it might sound a little wonky. I appreciate your grace on this. Here is my chat with Dr. Whitney of Modern Mommy Doc. Okay, so we are here with Dr. Whitney. Do you pronounce it Casares? How do you pronounce your well, last name? Well, it should be Casares, like from a background standpoint. But in my husband's family, they say Casares. So most people call me Dr. Whitney. So that's way easier for people. I imagine if you don't know who Dr. Whitney is, you probably follow her on Instagram. She has a really popular Instagram account, Modern Mommy Doc, because you are a doctor with a Berkeley's degree and Stanford educated that focuses on mom's wellness and child's wellness. So welcome, welcome, Thank welcome. Thank you for having me. Well, we've got to dig right in. Uh, you had written an article for Fortune magazine where you said Gen X women, which is me, I'm in the Gen X category, and Gen X is raised typically by baby boomers, right, which has its own set of things. Gen X women get the worst of both worlds. Whoa. What does that yeah, mean? Here's what it means. We were raised to do two things simultaneously. We were raised, and very unwittingly. This wasn't like an evil plot from our parents, but it just happened. Yeah. We were raised to be people pleasers. We were raised to be good girls. We were raised to take care of our households, to please our men, to stay nice and skinny, to have perfect skin, to have perfect houses, and to cook some Martha Stewart level Thanksgiving dinners. At the same time, we were told, you can be anything, and not only can you be anything, you should be everything professionally. You want to be a rocket scientist? Amazing. You want to be a doctor? You want to go to Stanford? My parents told me there is no plan B, and my mom was not a tiger mom. My mom just believed so ardently in me. She believed, like, you can do it, and so that created a generation of moms and of women who are trying to do both of those things simultaneously. That is impossible. And so we have so many pressures on us to be this perfect version, a super mom. We bear this badge of over-functioning with pride. When we're not over-functioning, most of us feel like we're not doing a good job. We're so used to anxiously kind of going about our day, checking off things on our to-do list, that when we're not doing that, it feels abnormal to us and like we do not have as much value as when we are fun over-functioning and feeling miserable to some degree. So that's what I mean by we got the best or the worst of both worlds is that not that I would want to go back to the 1950s, but at least those women knew exactly what they were doing every single day. They had less on their plate, really, you know. We have a lot on our plate. And so I think that women of this generation are looking for a way not only to simplify, but also to give themselves permission to understand and to decide there's actually nothing wrong with them. It's not their fault when they feel like they're incapable of doing all the things. It's the system that's broken. It's the expectation that is not right. Why do we have these two polar opposite things? Because when I grew up, my mom was a stay-at-home mom mm -hmm. and she didn't finish college and she 
became a, a mother. She wanted to study her voice. She was an opera singer and all of this stuff and ended up kind of giving it all up to have us and raise us. And she beat it into my head and my sister's heads. Never rely on a man to make money. Always make your own. Mm-hmm. And to me, I was like, ding. And I became complete. workaholic. <laughs> I became a workaholic. And this is hitting so hard why do those two things exist of those two polar opposites of you can do anything, but also be perfect? Right. So I think there's a couple reasons why. Number one, I think it comes back to the messaging we received from a generation, the baby boomers that didn't know what they were actually saying to us. I mean, when I go back and talk to my mom now, she goes, well, I truly believed that. I totally thought that you could do both things at the same time. I, I thought that was fine. Um, she didn't understand that when she told me, and she's not alone in this, so this is not a slam on my mom. I love my mom. But when she told me, yes, you should go to Stanford and you should be a doctor and you should do all the things. And also, you know, like the night before my wedding, like, Hey, if you don't look like this in a couple of years, just heads up, your husband probably won't like you as much (laughs) like that. That was like a setup for failure, right? Like that gets in your head and it's like, okay, shoot, I'm supposed to do both. So there's that. The second is that. We've talked a ton in society, especially over the past 10 years, about what we need to do to lessen a mom's load. We've talked a ton about the mental load. We've brought awareness to it. So women really are starting to go like, oh my gosh, I shouldn't have to do all of this. But we haven't caught up as a society in terms of actually having practical frameworks or ways to deal with that feeling. So we have a few strategies. We have some great books out there that are starting to make some strides, but we haven't fully gotten a framework that allows us to catch up to what we're telling people to do. That makes people feel like, oh, there must be something wrong with me. I guess I'm not getting it. I guess I'm not smart enough or skilled enough to be able to, to do that. And then the third thing I think really is social media. It's these Pinterest, you know, like the homes that we see, I think it's photoshopped Instagram pictures. I think it's all of the beauty industries things of saying like, Hey, this is what it looks like to be an attractive woman. It means you get the Botox and you get the fillers and you do the Ozempic, all of these things, you know, and that, that messes with us. So I think it's those really those three things that are at play. I think this is a major struggle because I had actually just written an article about this where my family and I end up watching a lot of 90s comedies, Mm -hmm. you know, and so we're watching me, myself and Irene and Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison and all of these really funny, amazing movies, even Dumb and Dumber. They Mm -hmm. always have the love interest, right? And she typically is somebody who's very thin, very attractive, white always, usually blonde, no offense to any blondes, but they have this stereotype where they're so two-dimensional, like their only purpose is to be the object of affection, the object of attraction. And Mm -hmm. so this is what we grew up as our ideals, right? Like in the nineties, this is what we saw that any complexity was like, I don't know. I think it is really confusing where I feel like in our twenties and thirties, I don't know how old you are, but I'm in my forties, but in our twenties and thirties, we were trying to be this perfect ideal. And then Mm -hmm. I think as the forties hit and you have a little more of 
potholes in in the pavement where you start to realize like, wait a minute, that was bullshit, right? But how do I get out of this? And so I think this is what I see with the people that I work with and clients and all of that is that this over-functioning is like, I have built this huge life. I decided to become an attorney or doctor at 18 and I have everything I ever wanted. So there's like a guilt and a gratitude. So how do you start to disentangle the identities of what we built our whole identity off of, of being these productive, income producing, powerful, badass women that can do it all? How do we start to disentangle? Such a great question. And it's so hard, I think, to actually put into practice. The first thing, and I know this sounds a little woo-woo, but you know, you gotta lay foundations first. The first thing is to set stronger self-boundaries. And lots of people don't know what a self-boundary is, so I'll explain it. What does that look like? Yeah. Yeah. So we're all used to boundaries around our time. We know what it looks like to have physical boundaries. You know, even my kids, I'm constantly, I talk about it in my new book, like, you know, to my seven-year-old, like, no, you cannot touch me all the time. Like, get off of me. Right? So we know know what those boundaries are. But a self-boundary that's poor looks like this. Like, I'm constantly taking the temperature of other people in the room. I'm constantly looking at other people's needs and I'm not looking at my own needs and how I feel or what I want in this moment. So um, even things like lean in, um, which was a, again, like nice first step in the right direction for all of us. Doesn't quite fit now, a little tone deaf now, but it was a nice first step. Yeah, yeah. Um, It really is about how do I sit at a table with men and learn to act like a man, like a man. How do I read the temperature of what how other people see me and how do I become a chameleon and be exactly what they want? How do I fit this version of myself that I wanted and keep on going even if it doesn't feel good to me? A strong self-boundary says, hey, at this season of my life, maybe that's not actually what I want anymore and that's okay. In this position, Maybe that demand on my time actually doesn't meet my needs, and that's okay. Tuning in stronger to yourself, to your own needs, to the feelings that you're having, to what your desires are for what it looks like to be successful, to be purposeful, to feel intentional, to feel aligned, way more than tuning in to other people's. And in my framework that I use at Modern Mommy Doc, I call this the centered vision. I lead people through... First, a visioning exercise, because I feel like we're all very familiar with vision boards. You know, I had one too, where it's like Leo DiCaprio and me on a boat and then like, you know, big mansion and all that stuff, right? Did Um, that come true, the Leo DiCaprio? No, sadly, (laughs) but my husband's very cute. Um, So it's okay. And he's he's Mexican, so I love it because it's like, you know, we got all the like spice in there too. So yeah, so no, you, you build a vision of what are the things if I was to complete a day that felt really good to me, and I don't mean you're sitting on an island by yourself drinking a pina colada. I mean, if I got to the end of the day and I felt like, wow, that was a good day. I did the things that made me feel really purposeful. I did the things that felt like I built the connections I wanted to. I behaved in a way that I felt like I had integrity. Like, wow, I feel good about those decisions. Even if they're really hard ones, that would be your centered vision. And mine always Hmm. looks like the representation about five things. And everybody has their own five things. Mine looks like I'm contributing to other women every single day. 
It means I'm building strong connections with my kids. It means I am financially well. Not a millionaire, I'm just not stressed about debts and constantly swimming in my head about how I'm gonna strategize about money and money grubbing about everything. Um, it means that I have mental and physical wellness, that I'm at peace with myself. And then the other piece that's unique to me is I care a ton about music and cultures and learning about different things and exploring and having aha moments. So I want my life to be filled with those things. And I have decided, and I teach other women, what are the things that at the end of five years from now or 10 years from now, no matter what the circumstances are in your life, no matter what comes your way, no matter how the economy goes, what are the things that you are trying to aim for as to what would be the person you could be proud of for yourself? How would you feel? What would that look like? It's very important to me that people build their centered vision and that people start to think about themselves in the context of their circumstances because my child has autism. I didn't plan on that. And it affects me every single day. When there's a school strike, yeah. that throws us off because she has big things. You know, I get a lot more sleepless nights. Things don't go the way I want them to on a family vacation. So I'm way less about goal setting and way more about vision setting so that you can decide kind of, yeah, no matter what comes your way, no matter what waves are going to come your way, you can still act with integrity in your own life and with alignment. So let's talk about that in a realistic sense. And you are a perfect person for this. Somebody that uh, you have two children, right? One who has autism, one who was recently diagnosed with ADHD, if I may mm -hmm. offer that. Yes, um, yeah. You wake up, right? You have this centered vision. You're feeling good. You're like, this is going to be a great day. Here's what my vision is going to look like. And then you get a call that your child is acting out or something, some kind of crisis happens at work where you feel like the air is pulled out of the balloon at 10 in the morning and you're like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So how do you keep yourself centered when yeah. life happens yep. to you? Okay. Hey, it's Allison. Thanks for listening. Did you know that the ideas shared on this podcast is something I can help you apply in your own life? It's one thing to hear it on a podcast, but quite another to have someone in your corner helping you apply it step by step in your life, getting exactly what you want. If this is going to be the year you break through, you don't have to do it alone. I invite you to schedule a free call with me. Go to allisonhair.com forward slash schedule and let's chat. So perfect. That's a perfect example because honestly that happened yesterday. You know what I mean? Like that happens all the time. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, let me give you some other like hard hits that come at you all the time. Yesterday I got an email that I did not want. That was about a contract negotiation that said like, no, we will not acquiesce to the things that you want in this contract, right? A financial thing, a business thing. I got a thing from a publisher that said, hey, the date's going to move on this thing that you've already planned, you know, and already bought a ticket for. I got a thing from my daughter's school. The principal actually stopped me on the way home and said, hey, um, I, I we've been working with McKenna on boundaries because she brought up this thing. And, you know, I'm like, oh, no. Okay. You know, she almost ran off the stage uh, during a choir performance and was sobbing about it last yeah. night. So things did not go my way. But... Every single day, we all have control of more than we think we do. 
There's tons of things we don't have control of. We do have control of the way that we respond to what I like to call kind of the first arrows that come our way. So we get to decide, are we going to create even more second arrows within us? Are we going to create even more drama, even more sadness, even more anxiety, even more depression within ourselves? And or are we going to move forward toward the things that we care about? So my daughter, okay, I could come back to in my centered vision, part of what I care the most about is building strong connections with my kids and growing them into the people that I want them to be. That event Mm. happened. That was a bummer. I could have reacted to her by being really upset, being like, man, I'm so disappointed in you. I could have like set her on a screen and been like, oh, well, they shot. Or I could be like, okay, this is a learning experience for she and for me. (laughs) We need to sit down and talk about how this go with your friend. How do I help you to problem solve? How do I help you to have some stronger boundaries? Give myself some self-compassion around the idea that my kid did not, she's an amazing person, but she's not the person that I thought she was going to be when she came out of the womb. So that's number one. Number two, financial wellness, mental and physical wellness are two other things that are in my centered vision. So this email comes about the contract negotiation. It didn't go my way. I could have chosen to drive myself into an anxiety spiral, sob all night about how it didn't go the way I wanted to. Or I could decide, okay, what's the way I want to speak to these people who are sending me a nasty email, (laughs) write back to them in a way that I feel really good about, that I can feel good in my own mind. I'm going to take some time to work out so I can make my nervous system not feel like it's going crazy. And what is the boundary that I need to set to help myself feel like I'm protecting myself from a financial, in a financial way for my business? What's the thing that I need to say? Okay, you sent me this nasty negotiation email. Here's my response back that's going to make sure that I'm doing my absolute best to protect my interests as a business owner and as a female in the workplace and feel like I'm even saying within the email, I'd like to make sure that we first come back to making sure we treat each other with kindness and respect as we communicate with each other. I want to make sure that you're respecting me and I'm respecting you, right? To me, that goes a long way in advancing women (laughs) and making sure that we kind of advocate for ourselves along the way. Um, the, you know, we had a school strike uh, a couple weeks ago here in Portland, and I could have let that derail my whole day. And it did make my life more difficult. I definitely sent some like hand to the face emojis to my publicist and to my friends (laughs) and to a lot of different people being like, oh, well, got to cancel that interview. But it wasn't going to let me stop pursuing contributing to other women on a larger picture. So in that moment, it made me say, okay, that newsletter I need to put out to my subscribers, it's going to happen at 10 o'clock at night, but I'm going to give myself a break tomorrow and not work on a bunch of stuff. I'm not going to do extra to-dos. I'm not going to do the laundry. I'm not going to do the dishes before I have to. My husband's going to need to do that. I got to delegate so that that way I have time to work on this thing that really matters to me. So that's how the centered vision looks like in my own very, very real life. And this sounds like it requires a lot of self-compassion, which is something we were not taught at all when the carrot is the overfunctioning is the productivity is the earning. So I wonder how do you start shifting the paradigm when we say that hustle culture is over, it's passé after the pandemic, people are a little more flexible, they're a little more mm-hmm. reasonable. But I don't think those are dying <laughs> an easy death. 
And I feel like so much of it is baked in us. So, you know, when the world is still going a mile a minute and whether it is social media's fault or it, it's not our fault, it is not our fault. Yeah. There is still an unwinding that requires a lot of intention and a lot of effort. And it's hard when you are trying to create a new path. And I don't know if they're neural pathways or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. Where do you give yourself permission? And how do you give yourself permission when the world is still going a million miles an hour and you are still telling yourself, you're a piece of garbage for not doing more or not sending out that email, doing it at 10 o'clock at night when it should have been done at 10 in the morning, you know, yeah. when, when it should have been there. So there's a lot of, I don't know if it is self-loathing, whether it's voiced or not, or encouraged or not, but how do you, how do you begin to unwind that? percent self-loathing. Like, why do you think Taylor Swift's I'm the problem? It's me is so popular, right? Like she's even said that she's like, it comes from a place of deep self-loathing and it makes me happy that people can yeah. see that in themselves. I love Taylor, but like, you know, that's, that's a truism. Okay. So to your point, I think it is a lot of practice. I actually don't think it has to be hard work in terms of like time. I think it's a lot of like focusing in and being intentional practice. There's actually three parts to it that I help women to focus on and to practice every single day. So one is radical acceptance. That's acceptance of like, this is a circumstance that I could either fight against and hit my head against a wall on every single day. Again, like autism is a great example. Man, I could like spend every day being like, oh man, I wish we didn't have autism. I wish, oh man, the autism, the autism. Or I could be like, Megan has autism. Now what? (laughs) There's the self-compassion piece, which is the giving yourself a break in the same way you would give a break to a friend. That takes practice. That takes not a lot of time, but you feel icky about yourself. You feel mad at yourself. You stop. You become aware of that feeling that you're having. You validate like, wow, that that's, makes sense that I feel bad about myself. Everyone's telling me I should feel bad about myself. And you have some common humanity. Like, I bet I could fill a coliseum full of other moms that feel this exact way. And then the last is true self-care. So that means to me, not bubble baths and pedicures, which are totally fine, right? I got my hair done today. I love a good haircut. It means- You look great. Thank you. It means doing the things that bring you joy. So like remembering what it feels to actually feel good in your own mind and your own body. To me, it's a good spin class to the loudest 90s hip hop music that I can play. You know, <laughs> even if it has for like 10 minutes, it's a it's a concert. It's, you know, giggling in the bed with my kids on a Saturday morning instead of rushing to go to a soccer game, right? It's those things. So those are the three pieces. Those are like the ooey gooey things that people have to practice all the time. The more practical pieces that I teach moms to practice is actually how to address all the things in life that have to get done, but that shouldn't define us. So I talked about the centered vision. I talked about all the stuff we want to focus on. We want to put our time and energy into, but we also all have all the crap that we have to do that we don't want to do. So I divide for moms all of that stuff into four main categories. And They have catchy names. I put them that way so that that way they're easy to remember. But they're the non-negotiables, which are all the things you have to do and only you can do. So my line of work as a doctor, that's patient notes. So you have to do those with as much efficiency as possible. Maybe for you, it's your emails. Like, do you need an email template? You can just use. 
Is it batching work? You know, trying to just be more efficient. Or is it deciding that for some tasks, it really could be done kind of half-assed? Dinner, healthy dinner doesn't need to look like I went to a cookbook and cooked a bunch of stuff. It could look like I got some beef skewers and some broccoli and put it in a microwavable bag and got a baguette. I did it, you know, so that's non-negotiables. The second is the is the piece about delegating. Those are the swappables. Those are all the things we put on our own plate as moms that we don't need to put on our plate. You know, my kids could have chores. My my partner, this is where things like fair play come into play, giving things to other people. The other piece is the contaminators. This is all the stuff we put on our plate because we think we should do it. This is all the clutter that we fill our homes with, all the junk that sucks up time and energy. Where can we simplify? Where can we take things away? And then finally, the heartstrings. And these are the things we say yes to because we really want to do them, but they suck our energy dry. My best example in my life is mm. um, my dad, actually. Love my dad. He's my hero. My dad has Parkinson's and dementia. And spending mm. time listening to my mom, you know, be sad about my dad and my dad try to, you know, get through words and be with him is really a lot. And so I've had to decide... I need to give my packets of love in a way that's going to make it so that it's a great time for both of us. And that also it doesn't ruin my day because I'm not, you know, like sobbing on a couch afterward and then unable to function doing all the other things I need to do because I'm so sad about this person that I really dearly miss. So setting boundaries. So those are the practical things. But in reality, it's the ooey gooey stuff and the centered vision that allows you, if you're really strong on like, I can't pay attention to that stuff because I want to pay attention to this, that allows you then to let go of all that other stuff and not let it define you. So I think these are such powerful frameworks. And what I'm thinking about is as a mother, we all feel like we're doing motherhood alone. Mm -hmm. And the desire, I think you had talked about this for women to be liked yeah. And how pervasive that is, whether it is to be liked and admired as the woman who can do it all and the person that says yes, because you can, because you can make things easier for other people with your expertise, with your generosity, all of those things. And you said it right in the beginning about, you know, kind of being indoctrinated to people pleasing. I think there is something that is not talked about enough is our female friendships and the expectations of what those look like. Again, we grew up on friends. It should always be easy, but it isn't always that way. And I think even layering on mental health that I think now women are far more likely to talk about their crippling depression or being mm -hmm. deeply introverted. Not that introversion has anything to do with mental health, but yeah. like protecting your mental health, right? right? Like I need space where we didn't have a language for that before. And now we do, but there also is the sting of feeling rejected or feeling resentful towards people that maybe aren't available like you want to, or you don't have capacity for it as well as your kid's mental health or your yeah. partner's mental health. So it is this complex web that I wonder, what does it look like to not do motherhood alone in a modern age? Yeah. So you know how couples therapists always talk about how 
you'll always show up as the best partner for your partner if you first invested in being the best version of yourself. And I think that that's true for women too. I want to like myself more than I want other people to like me. That is a like aha oh. moment. Oh, <laughs> Dr. Can, Whitney. Yes. Can we pop? <laughs> right? That is an aha moment. Why do we hate ourselves? That, <laughs> yes. Like I, that's an aha moment that came to me in my 40s. Like, hold up. I think it's the reverse for me. I think I have been acting like it matters more that people like me than than, than that I like myself. Um, that's why Lizzo's like, you know, I'm my own soulmate. Like, that's why that song speaks so deeply to people because it's about you can be an amazing partner, an amazing friend, an amazing mom, an amazing business person, an amazing team member if you like yourself. If you don't, in the end, you're actually going to sabotage yourself. And it's going to come out somewhere. It always comes out somewhere. Headaches, depression, anxiety, fatigue, uh, physical aches and pains. Or it's going to come out in resentment to everybody else. Eventually, you're going to not, you're going to burn out. You're not going to do a good job. And so I care about that first. When it comes to relationship with moms, I'm always looking for people who are like on my same level. Um, And I don't mean professionally. I mean that they are also striving toward being vulnerable, toward building true friendships that are built on us, trying to change ourselves in incremental ways and bring awareness to ourselves. Um, Also, um, I'm kind of done mourning the traditional mom village. Like, my friends are really busy. They don't have time to meet for a book club. They don't have time to like meet up and chill and go on a girls weekend. If you have that, amazing. That's so great for you. My friends don't have that. They do have time Hmm. to send me a text that says like, hey, I saw you had a really hard week. I'm thinking of you. They have time to be there when I'm going through something at work and to like read an email I'm about to send to somebody and say like, yeah, that looks good. You presented yourself in a way you can feel good about I have friends that through my business at Modern Mommy Doc are just my business friends and I like their posts and they like mine and I know it's genuine. Um, That means a huge deal to me. Um, I have people from other generations that aren't even moms that I consider part of my mom village. You know, my daughter's pediatrician, men at my um, workplace who are also parents and are advocates for me and have spoken into my life. So I think we have to broaden our perspective of what it means to have a village because I think the old school mom village is probably not coming back, but that you can actually find people that can absolutely be your hype men or women. Maybe it's not in the way that you imagined it would be. And if you're your own hype person first, you actually won't need quite so much of that all the time because you'll already be filling your own bucket. Isn't that interesting? Because I was thinking about... Sometimes I'll get together with my kids' moms and they're amazing. They like they're sweet, they're kind, whatever. But we'll get together and it's wine o'clock and they're complaining about crossing guards and the principal. And I'm like, I, I need to get out of here. I think there is also a benefit of listening to yeah. your like what feels good, what doesn't feel good. I don't want to sit around and 
complain about stuff. I want to sit around and like heal the world or like have a bigger impact. And what does that look like? What I'm hearing, Dr. Whitney, is like a permission to opt out of some of those things if they aren't life affirming other than just being included and that deep primal need to belong. And there is a mourning that happens with that, with kind of figuring out some of those circles that maybe by proximity are easier, but not as fulfilling anymore. I mean, let me clarify. I love a good, just like dump it all out there, have a glass of wine with the other moms from the school or other people in my business and complain. Like, yes, sometimes you just need to like vent and get it all out and that's all good. Sure. But I think what I'm saying is that there's certain groups that fuel you or give you energy in different ways. Sometimes it's about, I want to just sit in this group and I want to be seen and I want everybody else to be like, yeah, I do that same exact thing. Right. And actually I do that a ton with my patients in my practice. I think that's, I think half the parents that like me as a doctor, that's why is because they're like, oh man, I had a tough day at work. And I'm like, oh, I feel you. You know, like they, they, there's (laughs) something to that. There's total camaraderie in that. But I think what I find from women is that they're like, They feel so sad that they can't get together for these extended times. They feel so sad that maybe they're disconnected and their friends can't come to a birthday party or they feel sad that they don't have anyone like down the street to give them parenting advice. And I guess what I want to say to women is like, that's okay. Maybe there's different people that fit different needs that you have. Just like I would not expect my husband to be able to um, sit with me and analyze my analysis about how we should do a vacation. Like he won't, he won't do that. (laughs) So (laughs) he's not my person for that. But I have a friend who is, she is my person for that. So we'll get together and she'll be planning her vacation. I'm planning mine and we'll go back and forth and be like, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Like there's different people in your lives that fit certain functions that function in a certain way that can help you and support you. And so I think it's okay to think outside the box and think about what do you need maybe at a certain time period in your life, a certain season, and how can different people fit those needs? But also, why do I constantly need other people to fit that needs? Of course, we we all want to belong. We want to be part of something. We want to be seen. We don't want to be alone. But sometimes, sometimes it's okay to be alone. Hmm. I think it's, again, you feel like a big permission slip to do it a little bit differently and to really listen to yourself and know that you matter, that there's nothing wrong with you. And I also want to kind of layer, and you, you had mentioned something about your children's mental health coupled with your own mental health. So I think we kind of grapple with is something wrong with me that I can't stop or feel anxious or feel a certain way when, you know, you look around and everyone seems to be a coach or some kind of guru Mm -hmm. and has this beautiful curated life. And you have a child that is struggling or has suicidal ideation, and you are just trying to figure out how to survive or how to show up in a way when your child is hurting in some way. And I think there's a real power in acknowledging that that's a reality that most parents face today when the anxiety level and the depression level are just increasing and increasing. Can you talk more about what your experience is with that and how we might be able to get a little more support and potentially ease some of the suffering in that way? Um, 
Let's start by saying firsthand, if you are feeling alone in the fact that maybe your family's not perfect or not normal, or your kids aren't perfect or not normal, or they're maybe struggling more than other people. I mean, it's true, you know, no need for like comparative suffering things, but everyone, almost everyone that I see is suffering in one way or another in my office. And I'm the place that people come and actually open up and ask their questions and let their anxieties out there because it's really hard to hide that in a doctor's office yeah. when you're talking to your kid's pediatrician. This generation of parents is more anxious than any generation that we've seen before. And you are not alone if your child is struggling with mental health. You are not alone if you're struggling with mental health. Here's the deal. We're in a generation of moms and dads and everybody where we're finally allowing everybody to talk about that stuff. I mean, just remember that in prior generations, it wasn't okay to say that you went to a therapist. It wasn't okay that you to say that you had a mental health disorder. You know, you might not be able to hold a job if you had a certain mental health disorder. Um, and so we're changing that paradigm. And with it is going to be a lot more kids when we're telling them tell us about your emotions, validate your emotions, who are going to tell us about their emotions and we're going to see it and we're going to recognize it and we're going to need help for it. People still had those exact same feelings and struggles before. They just coped with it in really unhealthy ways. They didn't go to therapy. They drank a bunch, you know, they did drugs. I mean, like, yeah. there's all kinds of that stuff that's still been there. We're just one of the first generations that's actually talking about it and hopefully changing the game. The other thing I want to say to that is, you are not responsible for breaking generational traumas or creating perfect kids like right this instant. It takes generations and generations for things to happen, for mental health stuff to get exacerbated by whatever's happened environmentally in families. It takes a long time for you to change a paradigm in your family and within yourself. So if there is something that you're struggling with from a mental health perspective or with behavior with your kids, and it doesn't change on a dime, even if you change your perspective or you change the way that you parent or you run your household, take a lot of heart. There's It's multifaceted and it takes so much time. The other thing is, like you said, so many gurus out there, so many people that it's like, this is what you should do, this is what you should do, this is what you should do. There is some evidence that's out there about what are best practices. So if you are struggling with your own mental health, go to a certified mental health provider. Go to someone who's an actual expert. Don't just rely on Instagram. If you are struggling with your child's behavior, go to your child's pediatrician and to a child psychologist if they recommend it or if you need one. Um, do not rely on every single person that's out there because you don't need a degree to be on Instagram. You don't need a degree even to write a book, right? You want to listen to people that actually have the expertise and the experience behind their name. Dr. Whitney, this is really, really helpful. And I think even for me personally, just having these feelings validated and knowing that I'm not alone or people that are listening are not alone, I think is powerful in itself and huge celebration that you are uh, releasing and publishing your book, Doing It All on January 23rd. Tell us about it. How can people uh, pre-order the book or buy the book and get in touch Absolutely. with you? So this is the book, Doing It All. Here's an advanced release copy so you can recognize it when you go to get it. 
You can purchase it wherever books are sold. You can pre-order it everywhere, including Amazon. Um, that's usually the easiest. If you go directly to my website, modernmommydoc.com, and go to the page for doing it all, you'll find also that if you pre-order before the book comes out, you're going to be able to have a one-on-one -on -one consultation with me because as we've talked about, this is nuanced and complex. So I Huge, want to help yeah. people get set up. Yeah, for as much success as possible. And also you'll get access to my app. I have an app called the Modern Mamas Club. Um, normally it's $12.99 and we give it to people for free when they buy the book, when they pre-order it, because it contains a lot of video library information, evidence-based information with a lot of experts on how to navigate emotions with kids, on how to parent with a partner, on how to take care of yourself in real meaningful ways. And then also it goes through the entire framework that we just outlined a little bit in doing it all. So if you're more of an audio, you know, visual person, that's a great add-on. In addition, the book is going to be available on audiobook. That was a huge push for me. I was like, we can't do the book unless it's on audiobook. So it's available that way as well for those who are thinking like, I don't know how I'm going to have time to read this book. Just listen to it in the car. Amazing. Well, Dr. Whitney, thank you so very much. And uh, I'm so grateful for you to be on the show and for sharing your expertise and your hard work. It's, it's important. Whoa. Dr. Whitney, thank you so much for helping us feel seen and heard and also giving us a pathway forward for how to unwind and unravel. This is decades in the making, right? But we can do it. You can find Dr. Whitney on Instagram at Modern Mommy Doc and order her book, Doing It All, wherever you find books. I've linked everything in the show notes. Now, if you have claimed this as your year, but haven't figured out how it's going to happen, I've put together a toolkit for you. You can go to allisonhair.com forward slash 2024 toolkit and let me make it easy for you. As always, everything is in the show notes. Happy New Year. Thanks for listening. Thank you for sharing. I love you for listening. Please leave a review. And until next time, I'll see you on the socials.